Welcome to Cloudlandia. Wow, I hope so. Well, you know, you can only hope. You can can only have have aspirations. That's what I say. That's what I say. The future is just guesses and bets. (laughs) Unless you've got Peter Zion on your side here. I just heard a, he's on the Joe Rogan podcast this week. Did you hear that? I did not. I wasn't following Joe last week. Okay. Well, there you go. I just listened to it this morning. And he's got a, well, you've read the book many times. So his new book, I believe it's called The End of the World is Just the Beginning. Is that what yeah. it's called? Yeah, yes. I've read it. I've read it five times. Five times, yeah. Start to finish. Yeah. Okay. So he's very yeah. he's very optimistic about North America in the next yes. 10 to 15 years. And I think he's right. <laughs> I mean, based on everything. <laughs> All the reasons that he's Relative, right. Relatively combined. speaking, yeah, relatively speaking, if you take the whole world into account, I take all my mm-hmm. chips and put it on North America. <laughs> and I think that the North American outpost of Cloudlandia is really the, that's the winning combination. Being able to, you know, access and be a citizen of Cloudlandia with mainland outposts in North America is probably as good as it gets. Yeah, it's really interesting. Over the past week, I've had conversations with Mike Koenigs and Peter Diamandis and with Gord Bickman, who's our podcast podcast mm-hmm. manager here at Strategic Coach. Yeah. And uh, we were just reflecting on the sudden emergence of chat GPT. Oh, my the, goodness. Um, I want to talk about it. Yeah, and they've gone, you know, I mean, they went from zero to... 1 million users in five days, and they yeah. cross 2 million even quicker than that. Yeah. And and it's noteworthy. It's well, very noteworthy. Uh, it really is noteworthy. I mean, I, this, I heard this little bit of that, which is, you know, kind of frightening, actually, but it's saying that GPT-4, which we're using GPT-3 right now, but GPT-4 is an improvement of 500% or 500 times more powerful than GPT-3. I wonder, who measure, I wonder who measured that. Well, I think what they measure it is in terms of the lines of general knowledge that it's been uploaded with or programmed with. Yeah. Is, it's actually, I saw a thing that it's throttled right now because of the computational power required to access the, you know, the huge pool kind of thing. It's out yeah. there. Like the one, the, apparently that GPT-4, like the bigger database of all the known knowledge is a, is 500 times bigger than what the general knowledge. So it goes from the equivalent of a super smart high school student to the smartest you know, person on earth by a factor of multiples, you know, and that's kind of, it, it's amazing. I think that the big thing 
I think that uh, I was having great conversations about this week because I've been experimenting with it. And the it's crystal clear that the art of AI whispering is going to be a skill of the future. That that oh, is yeah, yeah. a... Well, I think know, it already that, is. Yeah, no, I think at the end of this. Yeah, I've had, I've had about three, well, two specific podcasts with Mike Koenig. And, you know, my general approach on it is that it's a wonderful first draft for any mm-hmm. kind of thinking. Yeah. You know, we actually did one right on the program. Mike had Ray I, which for the yeah. folks who don't know what that is, it's just a transcription. It's a voice to print transcription service. So if you just put otter, O-T-E-R, like the animal, AI, then it will take any conversation. For example, the one that we're, you and I are having right now, it'll yeah. differentiate when Dean is speaking from when Dan is speaking, and then it'll do its best to capture faithfully in print what we say <clears throat> audibly. <clears throat> and then if we're using a term that it doesn't quite get the first time, later on, it'll get it right. And once it gets it right, it goes back and it corrects itself. If it hadn't really transcribed correctly the first time, then it goes that's, back and it does That's it. crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And then, but what we did is we just took a section where we had done some, we had done some interesting discussion and he captured it and then he put it into GPT. He said, this is what I want to do with it. I just want to, you know, break what, break what was said here into five bullet points that are the compelling part, compelling part of it. And, you know, two, three seconds later, we had our GPT. So we've officially made GPT a, a partner on the podcast. Okay, right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. I'm just, I'm stunned by the whole thing. Like, I think learning the prompts and learning the ways to get what you want. I mean, I've been having like just conversations with it. I asked in one session, list 10 book titles that would be successful right now and it just without thinking like literally as fast well, it as doesn't, the, the, it, it, it doesn't think this is the yeah. first thing you have to understand yeah. it's not thinking the it's not thinking the way that you and i think right exactly so it was as fast as the words could be typed it was typing one the future of work how the gig economy is shaping the new world and Number two, mindfulness and something about mindfulness and something about minimalism and financial success and all the 10 really like compelling book titles. Yeah. And then I said, okay, write a 10 chapter book outline for a book titled The Future of Work, How the Gig Economy is Shaping the New World, end quote. And it listed out, you know, chapter one, the history of the gig economy, and then one, two, three, kind of one sentence, you know, summaries of what could be included in that. Chapter two, how technology is enabling the gig economy, and then one, two, three, and then chapter three. And it was just like, and then I just kept going deeper. I said, okay, 
write a, a thousand words on the history of the gig economy, including, and put the three things there. And then, you know, it went and just blah, 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 blah. You could literally like write the whole book yeah. that way. Yeah, it was, it was um, really something, you know. And then I said, "Oh, give us case, give an example of how that might work." I mean, it was so. I've just been experimenting. I think that the better that you get at the prompting, the better it's going to be. You know, you could definitely assemble and then have an editor, you know, put it all together and polish it. Well, or, you know, and I, to a certain extent, if you look at the ninety-minute book, which is your platform yeah. for writing really fast quick book and yeah. my my quarterly book team yeah the way we do this we've actually been doing this like in rudimentary form yes exactly um, yeah and so for example i just completed the interview process of the current book so this is a book that goes to the printer at the end of january and then it'll be ready for the first week of March for the all the people in the program. And it's called Capitalism Dash and Everything Else. And, and the main point about it is that everything else is an ideology, but capitalism is a methodology. So yeah. capitalism is a way for someone to zero in on their unique individualism. Why are they unique? As an individual, why are they unique? And then go through five growth stages where you put a price on what your uniqueness is worth, your time, your talent, and uh, the results that you can produce. And yep. your interaction with the world then creates property that there's unique relationships, there's unique projects, there's unique things. And this is property. Every time you take your unique ability and interact with other people's issues or their opportunities or their problems, dangers, opportunities, and strengths, you create new intellectual property. So you have pricing, you have property. And then once you establish sort of a base that you really like of interacting with the world, then you work to make your results more productive. So faster, mm -hmm. easier, cheaper, and a bigger result which over time, you're always bringing in more money than you're putting out for the effort. That's pro profitability. And then when you do this with other people who are doing the same thing, it creates prosperity. And uh, so, and then I create little fast filters for each of the chapters. And then I'm mm -hmm. interviewed by Shannon. Mm -hmm. She's always hitting me with things I haven't thought about. And this all gets transcribed by Otter AI, and then it goes mm -hmm. off to a writer and to a mm -hmm. to an editor, and we come back with finished copy. So I'm getting mm -hmm. the chapters are coming back, and I don't change a word. It's really interesting because right. we've been together now as a team. We've been together for 28 quarters, yeah. And, and the editor and the writer are so good now at taking my fast filter outline and and combining it with the transcript of the interview and they just do a great job and that comes yeah. back sometimes i said boy that's really interesting i i don't remember saying that but that's a really good point that we've just picked up on so to mm. a certain extent and you and i both had a challenge to write a book in a week 
back, way mm-hmm. back when, and we both did. We both did. And uh, but the thing that this is doing is that it's using the knowledge base of the world to add to our project. Well, that's and I found that the distinction is that I think this is going to be absolutely under the right guidance, fantastic way to write books with objective knowledge of things that are known and, you know, factual kind of things, right? The technical challenges or explanations of things Mm -hmm. compared to subjective knowledge, which is something new that you as a creator are bringing into something, right? Like for instance, writing a book about, I've just had it, We've got, I do a lot of work with financial advisors. We've got a book about social security, which just like is a handbook to answer people's questions about social security. So I'm, I was playing around and had just trying to prompt out the input for a book on Medicare. Same thing, which is known knowledge. This is just like sitting down with somebody who knows everything about Medicare and having them asking the questions that need to be addressed. And I think it's going to be fantastic for those kinds of things. And then amplified, yeah. because a financial advisor with years of experience is going to have different, they're going to have some subjective opinion on what is the yeah. best way to do. And I was saying to someone, it reminded me of the the centaurs, the chess, you know, the top chess rating people now are not, it's not AI and it's not a, you know, a chess master alone. It's a chess master paired with an AI enabled chess master who's able to have the computing power, the processing, the access to, you know, probability of what the right move is with also the ability to override or sense the subtleties or the nuances of what's happening with the human yeah. that you're playing against, right? So there, there's that. I'm fascinated by this, you know, the ability for the Well, you know, here's, uh, here's the to a problem that was posed to you very early in life. If only you would apply yourself, Dean. And uh, hmm. you've been waiting, you know, but you've been waiting. I mean, you, you, I have been. You, you've been waiting for the right tool to come along that would, would present to you things that are worth applying yourself to. Yes. And I, you know, the, I think that the bigger challenge is going to be that our, I think it's safe to, you know, this all happened end of November, right? So it's really only been 60 days that it's been like yes. foisted on us. And everybody now, you see, you know, the world is now. Feel Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a good. I think I that I everybody now, bad. you're being. Uh, what I guess what we're being foisted upon now is all these the experts on how to you, you know everybody now is becoming an AI expert, right? How to all these AI side hustles and how to you know m- maximize. There's a whole industry of people teaching you how now to capitalize on 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 AI, and I think yeah. that it's going to enable a, you know a huge increase in the output of 
content. <laughs> <laughs> and what unfortunately oh, oh, did not gee, come I, 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 Yeah, and do you mean it, that the number of fart jokes in the world is going to increase as a result of this? <laughs> Absolutely. I agree 100%. And, but what has not changed along with it is our capacity to intake more of the information. Yeah, you know, that, still, that's a constant. That's it a constant. is a constant. We're moving at yeah. 60 minutes per hour, and that's all we can do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, so our uh, brains you know, can only uh, impact. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were Gord Bickman, and I were on our GPT podcast and he said do you think this will make useless people valuable now it'll turn consumers and traders i said oh no if you're no. a consumer it'll just by your consumption by uh-huh. orders of magnitude but if you're a producer it'll amplify and multiply your productivity so actually it's a great fork in the road it's not even a fork. It's actually perpendicular. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like you're all traveling along the same road, and then you come to yeah. a road where you either go to the right or you go to the left. It's not a fork. Yeah. You know, it's not a fork. It's that non-productive people will now be able to multiply their non-productivity exponentially. <laughs> now, what do you think? Like, I wonder about this, the exponential, the, you know, the curve now of available content. If you talk about the creation date of things that there were helpless against the current amount of content that's created brand new where, yeah. where, you know, there's constantly new stuff coming in. And I wonder like what happens with this, backlog of inventory of content like how many books are you in now in your this is your 30th quarterly book 33rd 33rd 33 quarterly book and i had 13 and i had third and i had 13 before this before i started the quarterly series so i have 46 had done 46. So I'm just talking about the quarterly books now so the quarterly books you have a built-in distribution network. It's yeah. part of the value of being in strategic coach that everybody in the program gets the a copy of the books. The book. Or is it every just in ten times in free zone or oh, everybody no, in the uh, program? Everybody. Everybody, everybody in have, the program. Yeah, and we have out clients who stay in touch with us and they can download the ebook version, you know. Yeah, okay. You know. We don't send it out what, as a physical book, but so what happens with the consumption of, so I imagine that it starts out that you, there's a spike in consumption of the most recent book, uh, uh, that everybody has access to that. But what's happening with book number nine right now? What else? What What's happening with the body of work, the catalog that you have now of these 33 books? Are they on Amazon? Are they on, are you... Yeah, they're on Amazon. What, what's they're, happening they're, with them? You know, you know, they're being purchased. You know, they're being purchased, mm-hmm. and you know, and we're not trying to make money on these. No, books. exactly. We're just—it's uh, just a program reinforcement. A number, a number of things is that they all get generated for the most part by 
a conversation will happen into in a coach workshop. Somebody mm-hmm. says something, and I immediately translate it into a book title. So yeah. I think in terms of book titles. And and so what I'll do then is I'll say, is there a tool here? Is there a thinking tool that I can, you know, I can take this idea and just use the idea as a, a doorway into in a next workshop? And what I have this year is I'm not doing, uh, tomorrow will be Mark the first time that another coach has coached 10 times. So usually, as you remember, pre-COVID, you guys would come in on a Sunday night and we'd have a dinner at our house. Yeah, exactly. And and then next day would be the 10 times workshop where not all the free zone people would be there, but there would be free zone and then there would be 10 times clients. So it's a big room, you know, it's 50 people, 50, 60 people. And so tomorrow will be the first time that I'm not doing that Monday. Brower is the coach tomorrow, and he's the first one. This is the it's a yeah. historic event. It's a historic yeah. event, and and this was all put in place with a decision halfway through 2021, where I said, you know, the end of 2022, I'm not doing 10 times workshops anymore. I just said, you know, I said, because uh, the free zone would be growing. And in the meantime, I've created the new Lifetime Extender program. And I've also created now, just coming up in March, will be the IP Value Builder. And so what I needed time, I could see that things were developing where I wanted some time back. And the way that I do that is I just put a date in the calendar and say, after this, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's the last that I really think of it because then the team has to say, well, if you're not going to do it, who's going to do it? And I said, that is a question to be answered. Mm-hmm. It's a problem to be solved. And literally, I have spent no time whatsoever on this transition, but we have five coaches all trained, ready to go. The schedule's all laid out for next year. But what I did say is that during this 22 year, I will do the two hour Zoom calls for the 10 times community. So I did first one just on, when did I do it? On Friday. So day before yesterday, I did mm-hmm. it on Friday. It was terrific. We had 70 people there and it was great. Yeah. But what I'm using these little two hour ones now is to test out a new tool every time. So I have okay. a, a brand new or a significant modification of a previous tool. And then as we go along, and I'm approaching the end of a quarter, and I never, there's a Canadianism, which don't get ahead of your skis. Okay. <laughs> right, so, right, yes. And what I make sure is that I don't line up a whole bunch of the next 10 quarters, you know, I'm going to do this book and this book. And what right. I'm doing is that I'm just paying attention to everything that's happening during the quarter. And I'm writing one book anyway, and we're getting near the end of the book. And so I said, I wonder what the next book will be. And there's already a schedule for my first interview with Shannon. So I've got a deadline. And then I'm pretty clear about what number 34 is right now. So I've okay. already done some thinking on it. And it'll be called Geometry for Staying Cool and Calm. <laughs> geometry for staying cool and calm i like that yeah yeah and i talked about that last podcast the three rule the geometry consists of three rules that you 
configure differently. And the first one is everything is made up. And I guess GPT is certainly going to, certainly going to, I bet the amount of stuff that's been made up in the last 60 days uh, is amazing. You know, I think it's just an amazing amount of new stuff that just got made up. And then the second one is nobody's in charge. Yes, oh, I like the GPT that. is proof of that. The GPT is sort of proof of that. Who's in charge of this? Who's giving permission for people to? <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, is this the World Economic Forum in Davos? Are they the ones who approve that millions of humans can do this? And then the third one is life's not fair. And so I asked Gord to do a little bit of investigating on who's using this GPT thing. Do they have any profile? And then one's emerging already. It's 95% men. Okay. Okay. Right off the bat. Uh It's 95% men. And of the men who are using it, 95% of them are Americans. Okay. Wow. So if you thought things uh were, if you thought things were unequal before, you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. So this is really yeah, you don't, and America don't even is know, just like, the kind of country mm-hmm. and America is just the kind of country where this sort of thing can happen real fast. Yeah. Yeah, this is really I mean it's something. It, I can't it just kind of wrap in my mind you know, the, I think what Peter Zion's really talking about is just the dying importance of geography and mainland. You know, what was the power thing, the power shifts of, you know, of mainland domination or mainland success. Yeah. And land and people and resources and transportation and manufacturing, all of those things which were all, you know, the elements of mainland success are now really becoming less and less relevant. I didn't realize well, how, you know, he talks about the people in China as the biggest problem, just the population, you know, the policies that they've had for so long of one one child and mostly, you know, which really brought mostly men, which they don't have the population ability to maintain the what they need even the chinese even the chinese in the authorities in china who you know i don't know how one gets to talk about this when you're in a country like that but they're Mm -hmm. saying that one is that there are a hundred million less than has been published before the number yeah. was 1.4 1.4 billion and they the chinese said that we overcounted by 100 million right <laughs> i mean how do you we miss 100 to, million yeah. how do you miss 100 million well you got to know what it's like in china and the thing about it and they figure that of those 100 million that they miss 70 million of them were women and this so this is that with the one child policy, what you had is they can do sonograms and they can tell whether, you know, the fetus is male or female and they aborted 
they aborted all the females, you know, and yeah, only wow. the males got aborted. Yeah, but the problem is that 20 years down the road, you got yourself a real problem because where are the women for the men to reproduce? And that's exactly right. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's, and I was saying, wild. you know, men are expendable. Men are the, we're, <laughs> you and I and all the other males, those, I learned a new word. It's a British word. This And it's in the, the, Prince Harry tells all book that's coming out on Tuesday, which basically is already out there. But he was in Antarctica a decade ago or so. And I don't know quite how this happened, but he, his penis got frostbitten. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, so he, had, he had a frostbitten penis. But the British word for that, there's a Britishism. It's called a todger. He had a frozen todger. Yeah, I thought that's a neat okay. word. Todger. Todger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. But the thing about this is that if you have one woman, if you have 100 women and one man with a working Todger, you know, I mean, like it actually works. <laughs> you can you could create a whole new civilization with. A hundred with one man and a hundred women, but try it the other way. Try a hundred men with one woman, and what you have is a really tired woman. By Friday, the woman is really tired. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And that's what China has done. They've overloaded it with, you know. And the other thing is that the way they had developed their economy, the proportion of young women and young men are not even close to each other in the country. Okay, because the high tech firms, which are, if you look at the map, the central city, I mean, the central city of China in relationship to the world is Shanghai. And it's it's got a big river system that goes in from the from the, you know from the, the the straits between Taiwan and China, but it's the eastern coast or uh, let me think about it. yeah the eastern coast of China, which is the only coast part of China, which is the east coast. Right in the middle mm-hmm. of that is this big river system that goes in Shanghai is the first big city, and, uh, and then you. To take it from Shanghai, you go out to the water, and then you go south, and you go all the way around to Hong Kong. That's the real tech part of China. That's the technology part of China. You know, all the big mm-hmm. tech companies. Foxconn has 200,000 workers, you know, and that's a Taiwanese company. I mean, that's a Taiwanese company that works in China. And But you look at the workforce, and I bet, Eighty uh, percent of their workforce would be women, not men, and wow. and they, you know, and they live in you know apartments or you know condos or whatever yeah. they Dorms. have, and there's yeah. five or six, or six of them. But there's mm-hmm. no men. There's no men. You know, so they and they're looking. You know, they're looking. They're not looking for some farmer from the far stretches of China. They're not looking that. You know, women always go up in grade when they think about who they want to spend the rest of their life with. Well, that's, you know, the interesting thing I saw Scott Galloway was mm-hmm. doing, he was talking about how, you know, this would fit in Cloudlandia as dating. 
and mating has really shifted to online that there's only that that all it's so disproportionate that only the top five percent of men online and on tinder or on and on the dating things are getting any attention on the profile so all the women are competing for five percent they're giving all the attention to the five percent of guys that are in India to are visually attractive or height because it shows by height and um, those kind of things that most men are not even getting an opportunity because there's they're not being not getting any attention from from the women and I've heard on other podcasts women you know talking about the same thing that it's affecting yeah. women negatively because they're giving they're all chasing after the same five percent but they their standards are so high that they I heard one of them say that they're that that but all women only match or choose or swipe on deem 20% of men even attractive, <laughs> which yeah. is like, so yeah. So you see these, all these unintended consequences, I think, right. Of, yeah. They're all coming. To, yeah. Uh, and they're, you know, Peter, you're started, you mentioned Peter Zion and from his first book, which he's written four books of the, last one which just came out last june which is the end of the world is just beginning he's always talked about this that there's only five major countries you know that you would consider advanced countries that actually have an okay demographics in other words that they're you know they're having enough children that they'll have you know between ages 20 to 50 usually that's your real key key demographic is Mm. your population between 20 and 50 because that's when Mm. children are produced this is these are the biggest consumers these are the Mm -hmm. biggest producers okay and you want your numbers to be even with each other you want men and women to be even with each other another thing is that he said the problem if you don't have enough 20 year olds he says the problem is it takes 20 years to get one. Wow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. Know? And it's already and, a perpetuating thing. How are you going to speed up? How are you going to get the Yeah, and they're expensive. One. They're expensive. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And I grew up on a farm, and I wasn't expensive. I was free labor. <laughs> but... <laughs> and then, but... The moment you move into a town, two things happen. These, you know, the space you have to grow up in is limited, so you can't have, you know, you can't have seven or eight kids in a condo, and and you and the other thing is that they're not producing anything. You know, I mean, right from as early as I can remember, growing up on the farm, that you had a job, so you had you there were jobs already assigned for you and you're in my case i was number five so the older four boy they were there was no i tell you there was no vacation for them at all Uh, right they they worked in the fields you know and and so then you could have really big you could have really big families 
And the problem with China is, you know, they 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 just they've just made so many bad guesses and bad, you know, so, so many bad bets. And then they had the, you know, for a while there was a huge immigration, the outflow. I mean, Toronto has five Chinatowns now. You know, the right, city of Toronto right, right. has. You know, I mean, there used to be the old Chinatown, which was on Spadina, Lower Spadina. Spadina. Right. Yeah, but now there, there's one Girard. That's just before you get to Scarborough. There's one out in Brantford. There's one in Markham. And um, they have 250,000. Chinese have 250,000 out there. You know, that's the population, wow. Chinese population of Markham. You know, yeah. sort of the area, not necessarily right. the town. Right. But but the five countries that Peter Zion talked about, he said the US is fine. The US is fine because the baby boom generation really produced. They had a lot of children, the baby American baby boom. Yeah. And that's the millennials. Awesome. The millennials are the children of the baby boom generation. Not mm-hmm. as big as the baby boom generation, but the American baby boom was sixty five million. Sixty five million were born during the right. wow. In 20 years. And you're mm-hmm. one of them. You're one well, of them. I would you're say I'm actually... I'm you're just across second, the line. Yeah, I'm the second year of Generation X. So six, okay. 1966. Yeah. So yeah. my generation yeah. from 65 to 1980, there's actually less of us by a factor of, you know, 15 million or something. Oh yeah, um, and the other—I yeah. was two years the other way, so you're two years on the other side of the boomer generation, and I'm two years before the baby boom right. generation. So I was you're the, the generation first silent uh, generation, right? Yeah, we were the first gen, the first American generation from the beginning that was smaller than the one yeah. before. And it was because of the depression and the second world war. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. And so I've always, you know, there's always been more than enough of everything, you know, my life. Yeah. But, yeah. I had. Oh yeah. Cause you I've rode had, the wave. You rode the crest oh, of everything. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, that yeah. was being prepared for all uh, the abundance post war. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, is, I, I think we're, I just look historically, like I'm so fascinated to see, to just imagine what are we looking, you know, if we're looking back from 2050 right now on this period of time, like what is, what does that mean that China is dying or that it's you know it's that, that's the words that that he used that china's no, gone i mean peter gone. stein says they're gone they're gone by 2030 he says yeah the within the decades see it right now yeah but and that's that historically been i wonder like yeah this is the longest that there's been a china in one piece and it's always the same about russia that's like oh post russia Putin. yeah yeah. And so yeah. you start to and, think, okay, uh, so what does that mean? Like when large swaths of the globe are, you know, off the, off the grid or off the main depopulating or out of service, like what does that, <clears throat> again, I guess it's really, you know, we're, well, as, as other well, areas are resurging, like it was so funny, James Drage, who's a friend, I'm sure you know James. Oh, yeah. 
He said a hundred times. That's right. A hundred K in Genius Network. Right. And so he was hearing us talk about the, about Neom, about Jesse, my, my guy Jesse with the VCR formula project for Neom in Saudi Arabia, bringing in the top, bringing in the top photographers from, from Getty Images to do, you know, to document this whole region kind of thing as a, having access to their capability as amazing photographers and and the reach that they all have individually. And so James was talking about that, but just so happens he's working on a project that's involving Neom as as part of this down to and so I was able to connect him with, with Jesse, who they Jesse knows all the people that James has been communicating with. But you start to see that there, these other areas you know, emerging, like it doesn't seem like, I mean, the ambition that, that Saudi Arabia has for, for Neom is going to rival what they've done in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and the Emirates kind of thing. They're building this whole new area of the world with, you know, huge vision and plans for it. And yeah, bottomless buckets of money seems like. Yeah, I I mean, I'm going here on Peter Zion. He thinks that the Saudis are driving down a one-way street that you can't turn around. And, that, and he said part of the problem is that they're not having children, like Saudi Arabia is not having children. And okay. anybody who does any work, anybody who does any work in Saudi Arabia is from outside of so yeah. if it's menial work, it's from Pakistan, you know, they import people from all over who all the work work and then yeah. all the expert uh, the expertise is coming in from you know the western countries and everything else. Right, you know? right. Uh, yeah. I mean they're basically they're still there. Yeah, they're still basically a tribe with a UN seat. You know, they're right. a tribe with a flag. They're still you know, they're still a tribal kind of tribal organization. They don't have any democracy as we would understand. Here's a really good example. Um, Just to throw a couple more pieces on the board for future Mm -hmm. discussions. Full things that I think if you put it together with GPT, number one is the what happened in the Congress, the United States Congress, the five-day marathon where it took 15 votes to get the speaker okay yeah and everybody has their opinions about this and saying you know you know what a cluster add the second word if you want and Uh and, you know what a mess what a thing actually it was a marvelous example of democracy in the open for five days because it was all deal making for five days. I mean, after the third vote, they were redesigning the party. So the first day was three votes and he lost all three votes. McCarthy, Kevin. Yeah. It was the speaker. But by the fourth vote to the 15th vote, the entire new structure of the party was being created. The rules were being changed. The people who get in charge of committees and whatever agenda McCarthy had when he started on the first vote 
his agenda was gone, and that agenda became a party, you know. And but the other thing is, there were no news about the Democrats during those five days. The mm-hmm. GOP had total mainstream coverage for five days, and you know, and it's all negotiation. I mean, politics is start to finish. It's all negotiation. You know, if we want yeah. this, you want that. And they had a constant that, uh, first of all, he wanted to be speaker. And secondly, there was no alternative except him. But he had to get the votes and he couldn't get he couldn't get the votes. So I just put that out there. That has not happened since the 1860s. You have not had that many votes had to be taken to get a speaker in thing. So 1860, 163 years, I think it was. The other thing is the what happened on. New Year's Eve in this town in the Russian-controlled territory of Ukraine, where they brought in a whole bunch of new troops, and they put them in a school. <clears throat> the school mm-hmm. was, you know, the, as, and they put them in there, and <clears throat> all the officers went off for a party, but while they were gone, four rockets. Oh, jeez. You know, oh no! You know she's not any smarter than she was last week. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I don't think that series really up on GPT. You know, because uh, <laughs> they haven't done it yet. So anyway, they four rockets, and these are these amazing American rockets, the HIMARS, and they just noticed that a lot of personal phone calls using personal telephone calls were. They're not supposed to use their personal phones, so the soldiers, you know. But the officers went off for a party, and everybody was phoning home to, you know, wish Happy New Year and everything. And the casualty figures, you know, even the Russians, about 89 were killed, and, uh, you know, and uh, probably two or three times more casualties than deaths. And it was just a case that this integrated system, which is an intelligence system, which starts with an American AWAC plane, which is 200 miles away, 250 miles, or not even in the battle zone, just picks up on all these phone calls. And they say, we got a cluster of them. They're all Russian. They're all phoning phoning back. It'd be good to send couple rockets right there. And these rockets, you know, if you look at a little table you have right next to you where you're talking to me today, they would just put the GPS position of that table and that's where the rocket, that's where the rocket would hit. So you've got that as, this is an entirely new form of warfare, you know, and it's all based on Cloudlandia. It's all Cloudlandia based warfare, except the actual rockets itself are very much mainland and where they're hitting is very much mainland, but everything in between is Cloudlandia. And so my sense is that some remarkable normal events are being radically changed because of Cloudlandia. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens to the process of government with GPT. And I'll give you an example of who's scared about this. So on Thursday, the Toronto School Board, so the Metro Toronto School Board, banned GPT. Oh, really? Oh, for, oh, boy. So that's like... No, for anything. It can't be on any of the school networks. Uh, Any of the school networks. And I said, (laughs) 
Yeah, I said, you know, you guys are, you just made every student in your system just totally interested in GPT. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that you just banned it. You know, it's right. like Barbara Streisand's, it's like the photo of Barbara Streisand's Malibu house, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you go to Wikipedia and look up the Barbara Streisand effect, and it's there's a whole description that she noticed that a picture of her house from Height was published, and she got her lawyers to seize the photos, see if she can seize the photos and everything else. And it just went viral around the world. Everybody knows what her house looks like. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if this was subtle on the part of the Toronto School Board. I suspect not that they would ban it, that, you know, that they would ban GPT. And th this way, we'll get them all on GPT. I don't think that they're that far advanced. To, but now that the funny thing in the age of the transition to GPT, to all of the knowledge being available to be able to, you know, write essays and do those things. I heard from Peterson talked about instructing GPT to write an essay about a 13th rule, adding a 13th rule to his book, 12 Rules for Life, written in a combination style between the King James Bible and the see something, <laughs> which it wrote without any thought or effort and would have been like completely, you know, thoughtful and yep. would have completely fit in the, in the thing. And I thought, you know, like what you just described that this is, it's here, it's inevitable. It's going to change yep. the landscape. It's not, nobody needs to research and write an essay anymore when you can you know write a you can instruct gpt to write it but how's that that's just handicapping the students for the new world i mean that that's a new capability that's in there and i think it would be so much better if the school systems embraced it and taught yeah AI well it's interesting as a, uh, a way yeah one of our key team members, marketing team members at Coach, Linda Spencer, we were having, I have my project managers for Christmas party, and we were out, and she was talking about her husband, who's a professor at Seneca, I think, the Seneca College, and he got on to GPT when it first came out for himself, and he said, you know, I'm just going to make sure all my students know this right away. And I'm going to encourage them to learn how to do all their coursework in GPT. And mm -hmm. that way, nothing, none of the, none of their work's going to be late. You know, they're, it's going to be late. He says it'll be grammatically correct. It'll be, yeah. uh, spelling will be correct. Spelling will be correct. And right. he said, and he says, and I created, I'm creating a GPT process for grading their essays for grading their essay. Mm. So as soon as I get their GPT essay, I'll run it through my GPT course grader, grader. and that'll speed up giving me, giving grades out. Okay. Yeah. So there's two like cases. Just like one, a... Yeah. I mean, there was a professor, they showed him, you know, 10, 10 examples of essays. And he said, right off the bat, they have a C plus. He said, they, they just have a C plus for initiative right. and for, for effort. And he says, I can tell that they're, that they're, 
on the imagination scale, some of them are 10 times more imaginative of how they've used GPT. So maybe that's what you yeah. get graded on from now on. I had GPT write a scene from a movie about Johan and it, where he's telling his best friend about his discovery and his friend is skeptical. And it, <laughs> it writes this it writes the scene. The scene opens in wherever, you know, with Johannes Gutenberg and his best friend Heinrich. And yeah. he's telling Heinrich how. So this is like, you a, know, this is like dialogue. a Bob Newhart routine. This is it like really a, is. Remember Bob? So, yeah. Remember the Bob, Bob Newhart did? He did two routines. One was Abner Doubleday describing a new game called baseball. And this whole routine is, he says, Abner, what's a foul? What's foul? I mean, why do you call it foul? You know, why is it fair and foul? (laughs) And then the other Uh one is Sir Sir Walter Raleigh coming back from the New World with a whole boatload of leaves. Yeah, called tobacco. So, and, and what do you uh, Walt, hey, Here comes crazy guys. Crazy Walt's here again. Jeez, you know I, this guy's. Yeah. you know he just has the wildest ideas. You know, and they're just hilarious. So you you yeah. just hit on. You should just write one up on somebody has this new uh, innovation called GPT, and you put it in front of a whole bunch of guys. Yeah, in the people. style of who's on first. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's going to be a lot of wasted time here. Yeah. yeah. And of course, everybody's work on GPT is adding to the knowledge base of GPT. Yes, of course. That's it. Because now then it's learning when it gets praise and when it gets, uh, when it gets instructed on how to clarify something, it's like the collective wisdom of all of it. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. just so. I mean, Gord Vickman was telling me that they just had to do a bar exam for one of the states, and it passed with flying colors. Yeah, I think I saw that it, they gave it an SAT test, and it got like, yeah. you know, I forget what the number was, but it, you know, was did really well, like better than it was a really good twelfth grade student kind of thing. You know, that's the. That's yeah. where it's at. Well, I'm really interested at A360 this year. Peter has yeah. one whole day on AI. Is it, is and, it later uh, this w- year? Then when is it? I remember seeing on my It's computer, in March. But... It's in yeah. March, yeah. Okay, and they've added a whole chamber. day just for AI. They've added a whole So they have a whole day now for longevity mm-hmm. and a long day for AI. But one of the speakers is Salmon Khan, you know, Khan Academy. You know, so oh, he's that's from great. Toronto. I know Khan Academy. Yeah. And uh, he's talking about how the, all the work that he's done over the last 25 years, he's created thousands and thousands. His company has created thousands and thousands of little six and seven minute lessons. But now you, you know, you could create a whole school curriculum, you know, with GPT, you know, this, these are, Salmon Khan lessons for first graders, you know, any subject area, and they just put together the curriculum. And, and you know, it's, it's it's really interesting. Steve Johnson, who's a coach client, 10 times coach client from Toronto, he created a software that can reschedule 27,000 
people within one minute after delays or cancellations, you know, and, and, but he said the big problem is that the routes that the airlines have just don't make any, because if you take a big one like United, well, you go back, you know, you go back 50 years and that's probably a combination of 25 different airlines that have been taken over through mergers and acquisitions. And what came along with them as part of the deal were their schedules, you know, where they went Mm -hmm. and everything. But probably after COVID, they don't make any sense whatsoever. So you just put a GPT, just say, what's the best schedule for our entire airline? And please have it 80% complete. I'm going to go for a P by the time I come back. Oh, we're living in amazing <laughs> times. Well, it's it's not fair. Everything's made up and nobody's in charge. So Everything is made up and the points don't matter. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so any, anyway, it's a, certainly I got to compliment both of us for not getting hooked on too much labor intensive activity. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Right. That we've avoided obsolete, labor-intensive focus in our life. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm so excited now. I mean, this is, you know, the great news is when you incorporate GPT into my sphere now as applying my expanded self, S-E-L-F, my sphere, energy, leadership, and finances, this is, Imagine if we applied ourselves. Well, it is. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to learn how to. I was just looking up before I talked to you the social impact of Gutenberg's press. Mm. 1450, 1455, you know, and what it changed almost within the next hundred years in Europe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, first of all, it was not a peaceful Europe. I mean, not that Europe ever mm-hmm. has been wasn't a peaceful Europe. It just disrupted everything just that people could now publish. And yeah, and you know, we've had jumps along that, you know, you know, right up to Mr. Beast with YouTube, what he was doing, this one individual yeah. with capability. Yeah. But I got a feeling that this anything that's happened really fast, really big really disruptively in the past. This one has a chance to be a hundred, well, infinitely bigger than all of them put together. Especially because of the platform where we're coming from right now, that everybody's yeah. already connected. We're already, you know, we're the, the, the way we're able to zoom around Cloudlandia and information is able yeah. to zoom around. I mean, you just hit it on the head that five, you know, five days and a million people are on chat. I mean, that's... Yeah. 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 I think the thing that I wrote down the first weekend we were starting to talk about Abundance 360, we didn't even have the name, but it was in Silicon Valley. And Peter Diamantis invited us and any coach people who wanted to come because he and Rick... Ray Kurzweil, we're doing a series of videos on the future. And uh, Ray Kurzweil was talking and he was talking, you know, we're not too far from in the future where the computerization 
will be have a higher intelligence level than human intelligence. Mm. Yeah. And and so I wrote down something and I've looked at it almost monthly for the last 13 years that humanity is always infinitely bigger than anything that humanity creates. <clears throat> okay. And that and another thing I says it's not humanity that's trying to keep up with technology it's technology that's trying to keep up with humanity. Mm-hmm. It's an endless discussion point because who's ahead here and who's trying to catch up, you know? Yeah. And my sense is <clears throat> the 2 million or 3 million now might be in check this morning, <laughs> 3 million who are using this are creating an incredible amount of new stuff that yeah. people who are in positions of power know nothing about. So what, the, I mean, it's like the, whoever the, you know, the key people are at the Toronto school board, they have no way of even knowing how to think about this, let alone to use it for themselves. Right. And it's not that it's not the technology that's getting out of hand. It's the humans using the technology that's getting out of, you know, it's getting out of hand. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, I'm always, this is a historic, this is a historic podcast. Yes, I think every one, every you know the developments are moving along so fast. I mean, Cloudlandia is completely different. Yeah, from yep, yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I remember when I first met Babs and I did a strategy circle for her <clears throat> on her business. She had a health, health, nutrition, massage business. She was right in Chinatown in Toronto. And I had met her at a, you know, at a conference. And then I told her what I did. And she says, you think you could do that for my business? And I said, sure, take two or three hours. And I took her through the strategy circle. And when we got finished the strategy circle, she had her next three years all planned out. And she said, this is going to be really big. And I said, your business. And she's not this thing you're doing, the strategy circle. She said, this is really big what you're doing here. And, and you know, I was just scrounging for money. You know, I just had a, a neat way to make money where I didn't have to know anything. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, and we just had our best year ever. And, you know, we have 130 team members and we have 2,500 clients this year. And profit-wise, we're right up to where we were the year before COVID. So we are... Our our profits were equal to what it was in 2019 with less revenue, and and and, but if you take everything that we've done, all the capabilities we've developed, and multiply them by GPT, how big could Mm. it be? Right, exactly. Amazing. Well, it won't be long now. You're going to be down here very soon. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to have a panel. I have five five panelists. You kick off the day with your update, and I'll send you a fast filter of what I'm thinking. Okay, okay? perfect. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and you will have done your your virtual your virtual free zone by then too. So yes, uh huh, yeah, yeah. It's all very exciting. It is, you know. 
But I've had three GPT-specific podcasts this week, and that's that's an indicator that you know if three million yeah. are using it, thirty million are talking about using it. That's the truth. Are experiencing the three hundred million are experiencing. Is it live or is yeah. it Memorex? You know, is it real yeah. or is it ChatGPT? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what are we going to do with this? Mr. Edison, what are we going to do with this electricity thing, this illumination? <laughs> Tell me again. <laughs> oh, boy. I know. Exactly. All righty. That is something. All right. Well, have a great week, and I will, I'll will i be here same time. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'll be back in Toronto next week, so I'll talk to you then. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Bye. Bye.